0: Doing, Red Sox fans. Welcome to episode four of the Believe in Red Sox podcast. Everyone, hello, hello, hello. How are we doing? I am here live on YouTube. If you are listening to this on Spotify, on Google, wherever you're listening to your favorite podcasts, hello. Welcome to episode four of The Reds of the Believe in Red Sox podcast. I appreciate all of you coming out Uh, again. I am here live on YouTube. So everyone here in the chat. Welcome. Welcome. Seeing a lot of familiar faces. Thank you for stopping by tonight. Uh, Hey, Red Sox winning this series didn't end it the way I wanted to today. uh, But hey. What can you do? The Red Sox have been playing some great baseball lately. We're going to get into this past series with the Oakland A's. We're going to preview the upcoming series with the St. Louis Cardinals, a 2004-2013 World Series rematch. I love me some Red Sox-Cardinals. Man, oh, man, it's going to be a good series. It's going to be a tough series for the Red Sox coming up. Uh, We'll talk about some news and notes in Red Sox land. We'll talk about some prospects. And at the end, I will do a Q&A. So, If anyone in the chat does have a question that you want to make sure that I answer during the Q&A, Super Chats are open, um, so feel free to drop one, and I will read them at the end. But before... I do get started. Our sponsor for today's episode is Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League. Well, actually, yeah, yeah, we're almost done with the NBA playoffs, aren't we? Major League Baseball fights and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting, and the fan favorite Vegas Casino and Poker Games. It's really easy to get started. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Let's get into it, everyone. Let's move on here. Uh, We're going to go over this past series with the Oakland A's. So if you are with me here on YouTube, you will be able to see my screen. Uh, But let's get to game one. Let's just do a quick recap here. Well, the Red Sox, I mean, I'll be honest with you, kind of just taking a look back at this series, you know, the first two games, I mean, this is what you need to do. If you're playing against a team like the Oakland A's, you got to win these ball games. You got to win these series. It's unfortunate we couldn't walk away with a sweep here. Uh, Paul Blackburn today just couldn't quite get to Paul Blackburn in that bullpen today with the Red Sox. But hey, Game One, Red Sox winning this. I mean, just with ease. The Red Sox offense looked just fantastic in the first couple of games. In game one, Bogarts, he got the scoring started in the bottom of the first. Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez reached base. Devers was able to come home, score the first run. Rob Refsnyder had the sack fly in the bottom of the second. But J.D. Martinez, this guy has been having his power stroke lately, man. Eighth home run of the year to make it three to nothing. J.D. Martinez, when his power is on, he's one of the best hitters in all of Major League Baseball. But... The big one in this game, Raphael Devers, man. Three-run home run in the bottom of the fourth to make it 6 nothing. I mean, and at that point, it was pretty much it. What do we got to do here to get Devers a contract extension? I'm not really sure what there, what else there is to prove. I'm not sure. I, I mean, to me, Bloom ownership, we got to start writing up that contract. Uh, I'm not really understanding what, what the holdup is here. The guy is just on another level. And uh, I don't know what else to say. You know, to me, this is a guy you need to lock up for the next six to seven years. You need to pay this man handsomely. I mean, come on. He's all smiles all the time. He's eating all the ice cream cones. He's hitting all the dingers. He's just an offensive force here for the Red Sox. And uh, I just, like I said, I don't know what else there is to prove for him. I think he has uh, completely shown he is worth the money. Raphael Devers right now is one of the better hit. Honestly, one of the best hitters in all of major league baseball. Um, but moving on with this game, Nick Pavetta, he pitched in this one. He went eight strong. He just keeps it going, man. Nick Pavetta is just one of the best pitchers in my opinion, right now in major league baseball. I mean, maybe that's a bit of a stretch, but this guy is going out every single time. And what I like about Nick Pavetta, every time he takes the mound, I just feel confident in a win. You know, go back to the late nineties. Every time I'm not, I'm not comparing Nick Pavetta here with Pedro Martinez. So hold your horses here, but I'm kind of getting almost that same feeling. Every time Pavetta takes the mound, I at least feel good about our chances because Pavetta, yeah, he may give up a couple of runs, but it's been a long time now before he's had a pretty bad outing. So I don't know. Nick Pavetta, he's given me a lot of confidence lately, and the Red Sox are obviously confident when this guy takes the mound. Um, But what I liked about Nick Pavetta in this one is that the bullpen worked really hard against the Mariners in that series. There was a lot of innings from that bullpen, and he went eight innings here. Phillips Valdez got the last inning uh, in the ninth. Pavetta, that's huge, man. You you gave the bullpen pretty much another day off. And like I said, tough series against the Mariners, so – just a huge start here for Pivetta man, really picking up this team. Uh, let's move on here to game two. Moving on to game two. More offense. What do you know? 10-1 win, 10-1 win here for the Red Sox. The runs just kept on coming. They scored in each of the first four innings in this one. And actually, yes, Raphael Devers had himself another big game here, uh, driving in two more runs, getting the home run. But Alex Verdugo here, really up. Really picking up the pace here. Alex Verdugo lately has been hitting very well. Uh he had the ground out to get the runs the runs scoring here in in the bottom of the first uh to get the Red Sox ahead one to nothing. Rafi came up, two run home run. Like I said, Haim, where are you at? I don't know what's going on. I don't know what else we need to do. Haim Bloom, you need to figure out this contract. But Alex Verdugo. Drove in another run on a base hit in the third to make it four to nothing. After Bogarts and Story drove in a couple of more to make it six nothing. Alex Verdugo going deep, bottom of the 6 eight to one. That was his first home run since April sixteenth against the Twins. About two months since he had had a home run. So Alex Verdugo, you know, I tweeted this out yesterday. Whenever Alex Verdugo gets into one, he has just such a great follow-through on his swing. He has just such a pretty home run swing. We haven't been seeing a lot of home runs from Verdugo, but man, oh man, he looked really good there, but he had himself a good game in this one. Um... His numbers are down compared to last year. He's only hitting 251, only has a 293 on base and a 368 slugging, but he's heating up. Coming into today's game in the month of June, he was hitting 340 with a 404 on base and a 489 slugging. Had the home run here and nine RBIs. He went hitless today. Um, in game three of this series. But Verdugo has been hitting so well in the month of June. Uh, Winkowski got the start here, a spot start. Evaldi and Whitlock still on the IL. So Winkowski getting himself a start here. And he did well. Five innings, four hits. You know, hey, that's, that's all you can ask for, you know, from your spot starter. You know, Winkowski coming in and just giving the Red Sox a lift, you know, against an A's team that's just not very good, you know, you count on these guys to come up from the minor leagues, and that's what I've been—that's te- what I've been saying about just evaluating teams when you have that depth in the minor leagues because you're going to have guys are going to have to miss some starts, go on the IL or whatever it may be, maybe going into some slumps. But when you can call upon those guys in the minor leagues that can come up for a spot start here and there, maybe help out in the bullpen, that's huge, especially for a pitching staff. And Winkowski loved what he did first major league win. You got to love it. Let's move on to game three. And uh, the Red Sox here, unfortunately, could not produce the same amount of offense. Paul Blackburn, he's been very good this year, man. He's been, I think, one of the most underrated starting pitchers in all of major league baseball. He came in today and he wasn't exactly, he didn't exactly put together a masterful outing. He gave up eight hits. He only gave up the one run and only two walks. But Blackburn was able to just kind of wiggle out out of a lot of jams. And, uh, that's the Paul Blackburn. He gives up a lot of ground balls, but he's really tough to hit, man. A lot of topped balls off of him, And, uh, Blackburn, in my opinion, like I said, one of the most underappreciated, underrated pictures this year in major league baseball, but, um, kind of just going through this game. Actually, Jaron Duran got the call up for this one. Uh, Christian Arroyo going on the COVID list. So Jaron Duran getting the call. He went two for three in this game. He actually made a pretty nice catch out there in the outfield. But we got to figure out what to do here with Jaron Duran. He's been coming up. Every time he's come up, he's come up a few, ti- a few different times now. And he's hit pretty well. Last year, he really struggled at the plate. But He's really showing a lot of promise. I kind I of, like I said this in another episode. I like what the Red Sox are doing with him. I like that they're kind of bringing him up in chunks. They're giving, you know, calling him up, giving him some at-bats and then going back down. Coming back up, getting some at-bats, going back down. I kind of like it like that because it kind of just it doesn't put so much pressure on him. He can just kind of focus on, you know, one or two games at a time and uh I like that. And I think honestly, Duran, I think he's really starting to show that he belongs in the major leagues. The guy is obviously super talented. I think he has a role on this team. And uh, we're going to talk about Kike Hernandez here in a little bit. But uh, Kike Hernandez is someone that has been struggling this year. Could you maybe see Duran come up and maybe get some at bats? I don't know. He really has shown that he can be a bit of a spark plug. Yeah, they lost today, but it's not like the bats were quiet today. Eight hits, you know, they just left a lot of guys on base. And actually, with the Red Sox, they left 13 on base today. You know, very uncharacteristic of the Red Sox lately, especially how they were in the last, in the first two games of the series. 10 runs in game two, six runs in game one. And then just kind of going quiet today. But that's, like I said, that's what's going to happen against a guy like Paul Blackburn. He's tough. He's tough to break. He'll bend, but he's tough to break, but he's having himself a really good year. Six and two on the year, a 2.26 ERA. But as for the Red Sox pitching, Rich Hill got the start. He did look good against the A's his last time out, but here, you know, nothing really special with Rich Hill. He did go into the sixth inning. He allowed seven hits. He allowed four runs. Three of them were earned, uh, you know, but Rich Hill, this is kind of what he is. You know, yes, he's going to have a a couple of dandy starts here and there, but this is kind of just what he is, man. He's just going to be a back end of the rotation kind of a guy. He'll go five, maybe six innings, give up a few runs, maybe four, maybe even, you know, have a good start, give up zero or one, you know, Rich Hill, but you're not going to see a lot of those with Rich Hill. This is kind of what I expect. Like this start today with Hill. This is kind of what I expect from him. And uh, but unfortunately, the Red Sox, they just couldn't get the runs across to help support him. Um, but in the end, this ended up being a close game. The A's jumped out with three runs there in the third. Uh, just kind of recapping there. Uh, they got base hits from Chad Pinder, Christian Betancourt. that made it 3-0. The Red Sox did answer in the bottom half. Uh, Bogarts had the ground out after Devers and J.D. reached base. And that was able to score a run. Uh and actually L'Oreano, Ramon Loriano, he actually had a an error in that inning uh that did move Martinez to second, Endeavors to third, but a couple of ground outs. What do you know? Paul Blackburn, ground out king, uh getting Verdugo and story to ground out, and that was the end of the rally, pretty much. So again, there were chances for the Red Sox today. They just couldn't really come through. But they did get a bit of a rally going in the eighth inning. They scored two that inning. Ref Snyder walked. Vasquez had the base hit. But then JBJ, back, had pop outs. So that again, it's like you had rallies going, but guys were just killing it left and right. Uh, Devers did reach on a throwing error that did score Ref Snyder to make it four to two. JD had the base hit. Uh, that scored Vasquez to make, four to, to make it four to three. But then Bogart's what do you know? Another ground out left Rafi stranded at third, the tying run. And in the end, Danny Jimenez locked it down for the A's for the save in the bottom of the ninth. And that was it. But the Red Sox, they came close to getting a sweep here. Again, they had opportunities. They just couldn't really come through. Give them a little credit here. Blackburn has been a good picture this year. Um, so that was a tough matchup for them. But they're going to have to really, uh, when they get these chances moving forward against good teams, against good pitching, they're going to have to find ways to come through uh, when you have those opportunities right there on your plate. So, um, But let's move on here. Let's move on. We got a fun series coming up. In the end, hey, you lost today, but you still won the series. I think that's now four straight series the Red Sox have won. So, playing great baseball lately. They've been one of the best teams for quite a while now. You know, they just had that really tough first month of the season, and uh, but they've just been playing great baseball, man. So, the next series against the St. Louis Cardinals. uh, To me, every time you got the Red Sox and the Cardinals playing, it's always fun, man, because at the end of the day, 2004, 2013, those are just great memories. Absolutely great memories, and uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just something different when the Red Sox and the Cardinals play, man. But game one is actually going to be really fun. This is a this is a really a fun matchup here. The pitching matchup: Michael Walker against Adam Wainwright. These two were teammates back in 2013. They were teammates. For quite a while, I believe all the way from 2013, I think Waka came up in 2013 or 2012. Can't remember the exact year, um, but he was teammates with Adam Wainwright all the way till 2019. So, hey, I'm sure they're going to have a nice hug before the game. I'm sure they're going to have a nice little conversation, uh, but this is going to be a good matchup. Both pictures doing well this year. Adam Wainwright's been having himself a pretty solid season. If we actually go take a look at Adam Wainwright's numbers this year, he had a great season last year. Once again, having another good season. 12 starts so far for Wainwright, a 2.84 ERA, a 3.51 FIP. Adam Wainwright, man, you got to love what he's doing. But with Michael Waka, he's been great, man. I mean, look at this start that he's having for the Red Sox this year. Got knocked around a little bit in his last start, wasn't quite as sharp, but Ten starts this year for Waka, a two point three three ERA. The FIP is much higher; it's around a run, a run and a half higher than the ERA. It's a three point nine six FIP. So Waka's expected numbers. I expect this ERA to start climbing up in the over the next couple of months. But you gotta love what Waka's is doing. And one of the big things for the Red Sox and Waka. The, the game plan that they have put together for Waka, he's mixing up his pitches a little bit more from what he's, uh, from what he's used to in the last couple of years. But the Red Sox, they're they're shifting a ton behind Walker. They're they're just playing very well defensively behind him, but they're also just utilizing those shifts just a lot more than he has been used to in his career. And I love what they're doing with him, man. It's been a It's just been working with Waka and the Red Sox. But this is going to be a really fun matchup. Game two, we got Dakota Hudson and Cutter Crawford. Cutter Crawford had a spot start in Seattle. He actually did pretty well. Um, That's earned him another start here. Evaldi and Whitlock are out. So obviously... You know, Cutter Crawford, you got to give this guy another star. But he's going up against Dakota Hudson, another ground ball guy. I mean, we had enough Paul Blackburn today, but now we got Dakota Hudson coming up. And uh, he's actually been pretty good this year, uh, Mr. Dakota Hudson. He missed a lot of time getting Tommy John uh, in the over the last couple of years, but this year through twelve starts, a three point two nine ERA, a four point two one FIP, he really utilizes that infield defense. Um, he's been pretty solid for the Cardinals this year. But like I said, as for Cutter Crawford, right now the numbers don't look very good for him. He's worked in the bullpen. He's had you know a couple of rough outings out of that bullpen. But like I said, against Seattle, his last time out did look pretty good. So to me, I don't see how you don't go with him considering how sharp he was against Seattle uh, in game 3 it's going to be nick pavetta i'm feeling confident with nick pavetta this guy's just lights out lately and uh, he's going up he's going up against andre palanti let's go over nick pavetta's numbers really quick as of right now through 13 starts pavetta a 3.50 era a 3.69 fip but that's counting that incredibly bad first month that he had. If we actually go take a look at his splits here on Fangraphs, if we take a look at his numbers in May, in May, he had an ERA of 2.11 and in June so far has an ERA of 2.25. If we actually take a look at the FIPS as well, in May, a 2.54 FIP in June, 3.39. So it has come up a little bit, but uh, Pavetta, man, this guy's great. I expect... Pavetta to pitch a picture good game in this one. And then as for Andre Pallanti, this is a guy that's been more out of the bullpen for the Cardinals. He's had 20 games overall this year. He's only had a couple of starts, and those are more recently. So the Cardinals have been giving up a couple of starts here. But pretty solid numbers for Palanti overall. A 1.46 ERA. That's very good. The FIP is a lot higher, 3.87. So Pilanti. Expect that ERA to start climbing over the the rest of this season, I would imagine. Because and the reason why with Polanzi, he's another another one of these ground ball guys, just like Dakota Hudson. Wainwright gets a lot of ground balls, and then Polanzi, he has a sixty two point six percent ground ball percentage. Are you kidding me? That's a ton of ground balls, man. That's a ton of ground balls. But um. The Red Sox, I think, overall, if you take a look at these matchups, I think game one could be pretty pretty tight. Wainwright is not going to be an easy one, but Waka, he's going to come out here. He's going to start dealing. The one guy I think you should look out for with Waka is Nolan Arenado. 13 at-bats against Waka. He's hitting 462 against him, three home runs. I'm expecting Arenado to go deep in this one. I'm going to be honest. You know, you got... You got the monster. I think Arenado is going to have a big game. He's seen Waka extremely well in his career. And then you're at Fenway Park. Arenado, right-handed hitter. I mean, I don't know. That sounds like bad news if you ask me. But uh, other than that, not a lot of at-bats. Goldschmidt? Paul Goldschmidt, one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball right now, does have 11 at-bats against Waka. Not a whole lot of success. He's hitting under 200 against Waka. But look out for Goldschmidt, man. This is a guy who's just been tearing the cover off the ball this year. Waka could end up having a pretty rough start in this one. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, the Red Sox offense, you know, we've seen how good they've been doing lately. And then in Game 2, you know, Dakota Hudson, we just saw how the Red Sox were against a ground ball guy with Paul Blackburn, Dakota Hudson this year, he has a 55.3 ground ball percentage. So once again, the Red Sox, they're going to have to figure out a way to try and just get some runs across the board. You know, with that Cardinals defense out there, it's not going to be easy. And then game three, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm expecting to, uh, Pavetta to come out here, pitch himself a good game. We're going up against a guy that's come out of the bullpen a bit more. Um, I'm expecting a win in game three of this series. Games one and two, I think those two games are up in the air because Wainwright's been good. Dakota Hudson's had himself a good year. Cardinals got some good defense behind him. And uh, actually, with Wainwright, what is his ground ball percentage? Wainwright, a 46.8% ground ball percentage. So he's not going to give up as many ground balls as Hudson, but we'll have to wait and see. But that is pretty much it. For the series coming up but uh really quick before I do move on to some news and notes um you know since we're talking Red Sox Cardinals here you know 2004 2013 I just had to write down a few memories man I had to you know it to me I felt obligated to go back in time take a look at some old memories with these two series let's talk about 2013 here David Ortiz man back in 2013 I mean In that World Series, do you remember the numbers David Ortiz had in that World Series? It was a six-game series. David Ortiz, in that series, hit 688. He had 11 hits in 25 plate appearances. Eight of those at-bath, eight of those plate appearances were walks. Are you kidding me? 11 hits and eight walks in 25 plate appearances. You couldn't get that guy out in that World Series. He was out of his mind. He had a... He Listen to this OPS that he had. He had a 1.948 OPS. That is just mind-boggling. David Ortiz was so good in that series, man. I uh, remember game three. You had the interference call that led to the walk-off when, uh, when Will Middlebrooks got in the way. Alan Craig ended up scoring the game-winning run. I remember that. That was the one game in that series I actually was not at home to watch that I was out to eat with a group of friends and I was keeping track of it on my phone I was actually watching it on my phone and um man that was just that was incredibly painful to watch like I just (laughs) uh that was a frustrating one because the the Cardinals ended up going up 2-1 in that series at that point so I started getting pretty worried but then game four Johnny Gomes the huge home run Man, oh, man. That was, I remember when Gomes hit that. I was just pounding my chest. I was jumping up in the air. Oh, my goodness. That got me all revved up. And then Koji Uehara had the pickoff to end the game. That was, uh, who was that that he picked off? That was uh, Colton Wong, right? I think he picked off Colton Wong to end that game. That was crazy, man. That was crazy. And then game six. You know what I loved about game six? Steven Drew had not been playing well at all for the Red Sox really that entire year and uh, had a big home run there in game six. I mean, the game was pretty much over once you got into like the eighth and the ninth. It was just pretty much a done deal. But what I loved about game six, I remember John Lackey. I remember he was out there. John Farrell, he came to take, he wanted to come out there and take the ball, you know, and Lackey was like, no, I'm staying out here. You're not taking the ball from me. I'm staying out here and I'm finishing this inning. And then Lackey, I think he walked the next batter. And, uh, yeah, they, they had to take him out of the game at that point. But I, I loved, I remember thinking at the time, I loved, you know, that bulldog mentality of John Lackey. And, uh, and I love that Farrell just let him stay out there in a big game like that. He tried, he gave him the opportunity to try to finish his outing. And uh, he just couldn't do it, man. And then, you know, the, 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 just the celebration, you know, the strikeout to end the game, um, you know, Koji, man, you know, just seeing a celebration, at Fenway park, that was the coolest thing to me. Cause it was like, you didn't, it's not like I, you know, been around for 80, 90 years. Like, you know, like a lot of these, you know, a lot of these Red Sox fans I heard, they went their whole life just trying to see if, if the Red Sox could win a world series, you know? So to me, like, it was just kind of crazy, you know? Yes. I didn't live all the, all of those years, but just seeing highlights throughout the years, you never thought the Red Sox could, Would win one at Fenway. You know they had one in 2004, but they won that in St. Louis, and uh, it was just so cool. And they won in 2007 as well, but that was in Colorado. But it was just so cool to see them win it at Fenway. That was the coolest thing, and I love that. You know, you had the whole Boston Marathon thing happen that year, so it just felt picture perfect, man. The fact that they just they celebrated at Fenway Park that was the coolest thing, and of course. How could I move on without talking about 2004? I mean, I could talk about 2004 all day. I'll just go over, you know, just a few key highlights. I remember Bellhorn in game one, the home runoff, the pesky pole. I love that, man. Yeah, I remember that first game in 2004, back and forth offense, and the Red Sox just coming out on top. That Cardinals team in 2004 was so good. Oh, my goodness. You had Pujols, Edmonds, Rowland. I remember they, they had Larry Walker. They traded for him. That offense was so good with the Cardinals, man. It, when the Red Sox came back in that series against the Yankees, I'm thinking to myself, there's no way we're losing this series. But I knew how good that Cardinals offense was. That pitching wasn't very good. If the Cardinals had better pitching, I think that would have been a tougher matchup. But God, that offense was so good. Just Pujols and Edmonds and Roland. Are you kidding me? That was just nuts, man. Uh Shilling with a bloody sock in game two. I remember obviously Schilling in game six at Yankee Stadium with the bloody sock. That was more of the bigger moment. Um but to me it's like, dude, this guy put together, man, a heck of a start against and I, I yes, the Yankees had a just an insane lineup as well. But the Cardinals, like I guess said, they had an amazing lineup too. And the fact that Schilling was able to get through the Cardinals in Game 2 in 2004, I mean, man, I think that start gets forgotten a lot. Everyone thinks of Game 6 with Schilling at Yankee Stadium, but not not a lot of people bring up Game 2 against the Cardinals in the World Series. Um, Pedro, Game 3. Pedro in Game 3, man. That was just his last start with the Red Sox. I remember... Thinking as he's walking off the field after his seven innings, I'm thinking that could be the last time I ever see Pedro Martinez. You know, he just had so many memories, so many accomplishments. He, I remember just every time he would take the ball for the Red Sox, it was an event. People would go out to Fenway Park. Oh, hey, Pedro's pitching. We got to go to Fenway, right? And the fact that that was his last start winning a World Series game, that to me was just... ah perfect, just so perfect, and then what I loved about game four, obviously, clinching, winning the World Series, but I love that Derek Lowe, he was just insane in that postseason, man, Derek Lowe, just one of the unsung heroes of that team, he, I remember he was so bad in 2004, he had an ERA in the fives, and uh, but he really stepped up for the Red Sox in that, in that postseason, Wakefield stepped up for the Red Sox in that postseason as well, um, but yeah, man, Just so many good memories. Red Sox Cardinals. Um, Could we possibly see another Red Sox Cardinals World Series this year? Well, let's see. 2004 to 2013. That's nine years apart. Huh. What do you know? Wait a minute. if If I'm doing my math correctly, 2013 to 2022. Huh. That's another nine years. Could they meet again? Could they meet again? We'll have to wait and see. Um, But enough talking about the past. Let's talk about the present. Let's talk about some news and notes going on right now with the Red Sox. Let's talk a little Chris Sale, shall we? Uh, There's been a lot of talk about Chris Sale coming back for the Red Sox and maybe pitching out of the bullpen, maybe even being a closer. Well, Right now, it's looking like the Red Sox, they wanted to be a starter. And that's what I was saying in the last episode of the Believe in Red Sox podcast. Um, Dave Bush, the pitching coach, actually had something to say about this. He says here, ideally, he comes back as a starter and pitches like he always has in the past. Reliever, starter, those kind of roles get blurred. He may start but not be able to throw six innings right away. We can call him a starter, but... It may, but it may just be a few innings at a time. What you want to call it really doesn't matter. I think with the Red Sox, I think what they're going to end up doing, I think they're going to give him some starts in the minors. They're going to obviously he's going to go on a rehab assignment. I think they're going to work him up probably. I think they'll work him up to maybe like four or five innings, and then he could. Yeah, I think he's just going to start games. I think you could see Rich Hill end up going to the bullpen. Uh, because the Red Sox are going to start getting some guys back. If we actually pull up here, uh, the Red Sox on fangraphs, the rotation as of right now, uh, we have Nick Pavetta, Winkowski, Hill, Waka, Crawford, and then on the IL, you got Ivaldi, you got Whitlock, Paxton, don't forget, he's going to come back soon. He's looking like he's getting pretty close to a rehab assignment. Um, but to me, I would imagine right now, like Winkowski, Crawford, you know, these guys, you know, I think they're really just trying to show what they got because maybe they're, they think, okay, we can maybe, if we pitch well, we can stick around for the bullpen. I don't think these guys are going to be in the rotation. Maybe get a couple of spot starts, you know, if a guy needs to go on the IL or, or you know miss a start or whatever. But um, to me, I think Chris Sale, you're going to see him in the, you're going to see him in the rotation. I don't think there's going to be any bullpen role for him. Um, you know, unless maybe they need to get creative at, you know, some point, you know, if, if maybe their bullpen is run down, maybe you skip a start with sale. Maybe you bring him out of the bullpen one game or something like that. I don't know. Um, but to me, I think sale ends up, uh, I think he ends up being in the rotation. I I, I don't think they're going to play around with that. Uh, but as for injuries, there's another picture we haven't seen at all. Josh Taylor, Josh Taylor, Uh, he's going to be throwing some live batting practice one more time before he goes out on a rehab assignment. So look out for Josh Taylor. One more guy to take a look at when it comes to the IL, Kike Hernandez. He actually took some at-bats today against Chris Sale. Kike Hernandez on the IL right now with uh, a hip flexor issue, but it's looking like he's probably going to come back as soon as he's ready. I just talked about him a little earlier. Jaron Duran, he's been coming up lately. He's been hitting well. Could you see Jaron Duran and maybe Kike Hernandez maybe split some time, maybe do a bit of a platoon out there? I mean, I don't know. Because at this point, Jaron Durant's hitting, and Kike Hernandez is not. And if we actually go take a look here at Kike's numbers, he's not doing all that well this year. If you take a look here, batting average. He's only hitting 209 this year. He has a 273 on base, a 340 slugging. These are not good numbers. He only has four home runs. You know, when you take a look at the home runs, I feel like he's on pace to what he's usually capable of doing. We're a little more than a, a, little more than a third of the way through the season. And, you know, he's got four right now. So to me, I think you're going to end up seeing him finishing right around like 15 or so. The RBIs are kind of on pace, but to me, the slash line, his on-base is down, his slugging is down. We need to start seeing a little bit more out of Kike Hernandez. He's never had great batting averages, but the guy has been able to get on base at a better rate in his career. He's had better slugging percentages in his career. So I'm expecting Kike to have a better second half for sure. So uh, let's move on here. Let's go over some minor league news and notes. Brian and the top pitching prospect for the Red Sox, this guy just continues to pitch well down to the minor leagues. Just had a start not too long ago. His sixth start for AAA, uh, five innings, three hits, struck out eight. So far, through the six starts in AAA, he has over 13 strikeouts per nine. That's incredible. That's a great number. And he's only walking three guys per nine. That's a great strikeout to walk ratio. 13 per nine. For strikeouts and three walks per nine. I mean, that's an incredible ratio. I, I think you really could see Brian Bayo get a couple of starts in the second half. I really do think that. I don't think they're gonna push him. I don't think they're gonna go crazy, but I think you could see him get a couple of starts in the major leagues. I I definitely think so. Uh, how about Jay Groom? Remember Jay Groom, first round pick back in twenty sixteen? Jay Groom. He ended up getting Tommy John not too long ago. Uh, he's come back th- in the last couple of years though, and he actually had a pretty good start his last time out for the Sea Dogs in Portland. Seven shutout innings, two hits, five strikeouts. Jay Groom. Again, he's not. He hasn't really produced to the level that people thought he would. But you're seeing some promise from him this year. He's actually he's having some pretty good starts. Let's see if Jay Groom can keep it up. And there's actually another pitching prospect that, you know, maybe Red Sox fans have forgotten about a little bit, and that's uh, Brian Mata. Remember Brian Mata? This was our top pitching prospect at one point. He ended up needing to get Tommy John surgery, but Brian Mata, he's actually pitched a couple of times so far in the minor leagues. He's on a bit of a rehab assignment right now. Um, You're eventually going to see him in AAA, but he's working his way back up through the minor leagues. He's had a couple of outings. His first outing was two innings. His second outing was three innings, but uh, overall, he's looked pretty good. The five innings total, he's only given up a run, seven strikeouts. The thing with Brian Mata, that I really love is just the big fastball. If we actually go pull up his scouting report here on MLB pipeline, well, Brian Mata still, even though he's missed a lot of time in the last couple of years, Mata is still the number seven prospect for the Red Sox. A big guy, six foot three, two thirty-eight pounds. If we take a look at his scouting report, a 65-graded fastball, big fastball, upper 90s fastball. He's got a wipeout slider. They give him a 60. For his slider, he's got a good changeup too, 55 changeup. The only problem with Brian Mata has been his control. It's always been a little below average. They give him a 45 there. His curveball also has a 45. I definitely think Brian Mata could be a guy. Again, I don't think they're going to push him just because obviously he is on a a rehab assignment. But uh, could you maybe see Mata at some point in the majors this year maybe come out of the bullpen here and there? It's very possible because I would think maybe they want to try and give this guy as many innings as, as he can. Um, we'll have to wait and see. I think it's possible. I think it's possible that Brian Mata could end up coming up to the major leagues. But then again, I could also see the Red Sox maybe not wanting to push it. So probably have they definitely have him on some kind of an innings limit. It just uh, it's gonna be. I'm curious to see how they're going to utilize those innings. Let's move away from some pictures. Let's actually talk about one guy that I don't think a lot of Red Sox fans really know about. And that is Kadeni Raffaella. This guy has actually been quietly producing in the minor leagues. He is currently on MLB Pipeline. He is the number 27 prospect. He's always been more of a fun prospect. He was an international signing back in 2017. That's when they got Brian Bale. That's when they also signed Gilberto Jimenez. Gilberto Gilberto Jimenez is their number 17 prospect at the moment. But Cadeni Rafaela, he has actually been having himself a really good season in the minor leagues. On pipeline, his grades, he has a 45 hit, 40 power. Not a lot going on there as of right now but he's a very athletic prospect. He's got a 60 run, a 55 arm, and a 60 field. What's really good about Rafaela is he can play multiple positions. He can play in the outfield. He can play third. He can play short. So a lot of scouts think that he's going to end up being a utility player in the major leagues, but this guy has been hitting extremely well. If we go over his numbers, last year at Salem, he only hit... 251 with a 729 OPS but this year in Greenville high A he hit 330 with a 962 OPS that was over 45 games he ended up getting promoted just recently up to Portland with the Sea Dogs. He's got 8 games there so far. He's hitting 333 with a 378 on base, a 788 slugging. His OPS overall through 8 games with Portland is a 1.166. He is hitting extremely well overall this year in the minors. In Greenville and in Portland, he's got 13 home runs. He's got 46 RBIs. He's also stealing bases—14 stolen bases. Man, he's he's producing, and I think he is rising up of up prospect boards right now. And I think the Red Sox, the fact that they gave him the bump up to Portland, there's a lot of really good players in A ball right now, and and he got the bump. That's how good he has been. So he's always been someone that. In the, or in the first couple of years, he's always been someone that they've thought of, well, he, you know, not exactly a lot of plate discipline. He tends to be a, a free swinger, tends to be really aggressive at the plate, but he's actually been a lot better. Uh, he's not getting a lot of walks, so that is one thing he is going to have to improve on. He's getting a ton of hits. That is, like, he's getting a ton of hits. He's got 76 hits so far in 230 at-bats. He's just not walking a lot. He's only got 12 walks. So strikeout to walk ratio is a little high. 55 strikeouts compared to 12 walks. Not a great ratio overall, but uh, he's getting a lot of hits. So that is good to see. But I I still think if he can get some more walks, that's going to be something that's going to help him out in the long run. Let's actually, speaking of walks, speaking of walks, Nico... Cavadas. I actually talked about him in our last episode. This guy has just been tearing it up in A-ball right now. The other day, he went three for three, but in five plate appearances, he reached base in all five plate appearances. This guy walks like crazy. He's got 12 walks in his last six games coming into tonight. If we actually take a look at his numbers overall, Nico Cavadas, they just drafted him uh, last year in the 11th round out of Notre Dame this year with Nico Gavadas he's hitting 262 a 506 slugging but he's got a 440 on base he's almost get he's getting on base almost half the time that is insane he's got 48 walks like that's a lot of walks man he is just He's crazy. Another guy to pay attention to, he got drafted recently, Matthew Lugo. He was drafted in the second round back in 2019. He's the Red Sox number 12 prospect as of right now. Um, he's more. He's always been more of a glove over a bat kind of a guy, but the bat is getting better. Uh, had a good game the other night, but overall on the year, he's hitting 292. He has a 909 OPS and nine home runs. So Matthew Lugo starting to show some promise with the bat down in the minor leagues so everyone we have gone through all of the recaps we have previewed the upcoming series we've talked about news and notes we've talked about prospects let's get to the Q&A shall we let me get to the super chats first um again I don't know why they were just being so loud I, I don't know what to do with that I, I've tried fixing it I don't know but uh, we had a few super chats come in during this episode. I want to thank you for those. Uh, let me read those off again. Uh, t- Tom Amiano with a 9.99 super chat. He says here, Robbie, happy belated birthday. Consider this a dono for a new stream software. I am definitely going to link in, look into it, my friend. Um, Loving the role the socks are on and all the work you're doing. Congrats on the new gig. Keep killing it. I, again, Tom, I really do appreciate it. I say that to you every single time. Your support means more than you could possibly know. I'm just telling you that. Uh, Cameron Breton with a $1.99 super chat. What is a contract you have in mind for Devers? I'm thinking seven years, anywhere from 25 to 28 million. If I pull up Raphael Devers here, I've done this on the show before. Uh, If you go to Fangraphs, if you go pull up a player's player page, you can go to the value on their site, Fangraphs, they have a really cool thing where they can show you how much they're worth based off of their performance. Raphael Devers right now, through a, a little more than a third of the way through the season, he is worth just around $30 million. He is on pace right now. If I were to do some quick math here, if I were to do some quick math. So we're about like, what, 38, 39% of the way through the season. If I do, uh, If I do 30 million... Uh, divided by 30. So he is on pace right now to be worth anywhere from 75 to $80 million. That's how good Raphael Devers has been this year. Could you imagine if he ends up being worth $80 million at the end of the season? Are you kidding me? that's crazy. He is definitely on pace to be worth 60 million. I know I know that for a fact. His highest value of his career so far was back in 2019 he was worth $53 million based off of his performance. And he is well on his way to finishing anywhere from 60 to 70, maybe even close to $80 million. That is just crazy. To me, I think a fair contract I think it ends up being probably you know 7 7 years Anywhere from 25 to 28 million. Could you even maybe stretch it to 30? Uh, I don't see why not. To me, if Anthony Rendon got that big of a contract, I don't see why Raphael Devers couldn't get something like that. You know? I don't know. That's just my opinion, but. Uh, thank you for the super chat really do appreciate that Cameron uh, Joe Girardi hater Red Sox rotation is not good upgrade at deadline yeah the Red Sox they're going through some injuries right now like I, I mentioned this earlier their rotation as of right now right this second Nick Pavetta Josh Winkowski Rich Hill Michael Waka Cutter Crawford you're going to get Whitlock back eventually you're going to get Evaldi back eventually Chris Sale is on his way back. He's He's been looking good in some bullpens. Change up, actually. If I were to talk about Chris Sale, um, I completely forgot to mention Chris Sale about his bullpen that he threw today. He was throwing 94, 95. Velocity is there. And his change up looked really good. So that's a good sign for Chris Sale. Um, but he's going to be back eventually. I think a rotation, uh, if we're looking at it, I think you got to have Ivaldi, Pavetta, Sale, Waka, and Whitlock. You know, what do you do with Hill? You know, Winkowski and Crawford, you know, those guys, you can move up and down. Could could Hill end up getting the bump to the bullpen? He can be more of a long relief kind of a guy. You know, to me, I think some of these guys could get bumped to the bullpen. I really don't think they're gonna go after any starting pitching. I really think Heim Bloom, the way he is operated. He kind of goes to those diamonds in the rough. He hasn't gone after really any big name starting pictures. Um, I don't think he makes a move for a starter at the deadline. I think if he goes after anything, I think it'll be a reliever because that's that's to me, the Red Sox bullpen has been more of an issue this year than the starting pitching. I think he'll end up going after a bullpen guy. That's just my opinion. But uh, those are the super chats. Let me get over here. Uh, I actually put a little thing on Twitter for people to drop in a question for me. So let me share the screen. Uh, So taking a look here. um, Taking a look here. uh, Miles, who do you think the Red Sox will get at the deadline? Again, I think they're just going to go after a reliever. I really think so. You you got some good relievers that are going to be on the market. Um, The Cubs. They're going to have relievers on the market. You got David Robertson right there. And actually, I'm seeing Philip Beasley. He asked a question saying the Red Sox have to add another bullpen arm, right? Maybe David Robertson. I actually think David Robertson would be a really good fit for the Red Sox. He's not going to cost you a whole lot. And Hein Bloom, that guy loves himself a bargain, he likes himself a deal. I think he'll find that David Robertson might be worth getting. Um, Robertson is having a very good season if I were to actually pull up his numbers the more I think about David Robertson in a Red Sox uniform the more to me it kind of just makes sense uh very good season with the Cubs this year if we take a look at his numbers overall through 20 games he has a 1.59 ERA a 2.22 FIP he has seven saves but what I like is about the Red Sox possibly getting David Robertson, he is a 55% ground ball percentage. The Red Sox have a pretty good infield this year. Raphael Devers is playing better defense than he has pretty much any time in his career. Bogarts, for the most part, is solid at short. Story playing great defense at second. I really think the Red Sox and David Robertson, they seem to be you know, a match made in heaven, if you ask me, to be completely honest. Um, from GAD. Do you truly believe Ted or Ted Williams hit the red seat? I do. I do. You know why? Because I've got, when I've, every time I go to Fenway Park, every time I go to Fenway Park, I always, because, you know, I live in Florida. Um, I used to live in Massachusetts. So every year I always try to get back to, to Boston at least once a year. And uh, every time I go to Fenway Park, I always do the tour. Every single time, it never gets old. Being able to walk around Fenway Park, it's the best. It's the best. And I always love listening to the tour guides, especially the older ones that have been around for a while. And they've seen a lot of history at Fenway Park. And all of them will say, and yeah, you know, maybe they're stretching the truth a little bit. But a lot of them have said, hey, if if you're ever wondering, if Ted Williams hit that red seat, it's true. He hit the red seat. I got plenty of friends who who can tell you as well. So, I don't know. Who knows? Did it go that far? We'll never know. But I think he did. I think he did. But I have heard people say that it's you know not true. But I think it's true. Uh, moving over here, I also posted on my channel. If you go to my community tab on my channel, uh, you can see here that I have posted... Uh, a thread here for you guys to post questions as well. I have five questions here. Uh, let's get to the first one here from Jason. Uh, what is the best lineup construction if and when Everyone is healthy. I like the Duran leadoff experiment and Franchi over Bobby as long as they can be consistent. Speed adds an extra layer to the offense and Kike has been a disappointment at the plate this year, but got to assume he's the everyday center fielder over Duran. You know, I've been liking the the lineups the Red Sox have been putting out. If I go pull up the Red Sox lineup as of right now. The Red Sox. I've liked what they've been doing with Devers, Martinez and Bogarts in the middle. Um, To me, I think When it comes to Verdugo, I think he's starting to heat up a little bit. I think you got to, in the five spot, I think you kind of just got to go with the hot bat. I think Story was getting hot there for a little bit. You know, there are times where maybe you can move him, you know, into the five spot, into the six spot. Um, But the way the Red Sox lineup looks right now, Duran leading off, I really love Duran as a leadoff hitter. I really do. Um, I think, honestly, right now, I really do think Duran, I don't know, man. I think you you got to find a way to keep this guy up. You know, again, I know the Red Sox want him to get consistent at bats, but man, he is proving to be really valuable. And I I've actually been really liking ref Snyder with the Red Sox. This guy, he's been a fun player. So if Duran ends up going back down it, at the, in the end, I wouldn't be upset about it because at least he is getting those consistent at bats. Um, But I would just love for the Red Sox to find a way to utilize him. But I have also been liking Ref Snyder. This guy, he just had a fantastic catch uh, not too long ago against the Mariners. The guy plays hard, man. And actually, let me pull up Ref Snyder's stats here. He's been pretty productive for the most part. Uh, He's played in six games overall. If we were to take a look at how many hits he has really quick. Uh, He's got six hits over... 15 at bats, you know, ref Snyder has been okay. He's driven in a couple of runs. I've liked what he's been doing overall. Um, he's been pretty fun. You know, I think he's been a pretty solid guy when he has been up. I think he's been pretty solid, but, uh, I would love if they could find a way to keep Duran up, but what can you do um, from Daniel Blackman? How much do you think Josh Taylor's eventual return helps? Well, the Red Sox, they've been getting production out of their left-handed guys. It's going to be interesting with Josh Taylor, because when you look at the lefties that they have Matt Strom, he's not going anywhere. Austin Davis, he's been really good out of the bullpen. The one guy I wonder about is, is Deekman. you know, Deekman to me is a little suspect, the ERA doesn't look all that bad. It's a 3.47, but he has a FIP of 5.41. The expected numbers are not good with Deekman. He's walking almost seven per nine. I wonder, it could, you know, just Josh Taylor, man, he's been really good, you know, in the last couple of years. If we actually go take a look here at his numbers, uh, last year, he was really solid. He had 61 games hit a uh, a 3.40 ERA, a 2.83 FIP. So he he has better he had better expected numbers than Diekman does this year. He he does walk a guy here and there. Um he has a what is it? 4.3 walks per 9 last year, over 11 strikeouts per 9. I wonder when Taylor comes back, could he end up taking over Deekman's spot? You know? I wonder about that. But I think it's going to be interesting with Taylor because that's a guy, the Red Sox, that they want to have on their team. The only problem with, with Taylor is really just the health. Uh, taking a look at the next question from Ethan. Uh, what's going on? What do you think the starting rotation will look like when Chris Sale and James Paxton return? I just touched on this not too long ago in this episode. I do think you're going to see Evaldi, Pavetta, Sale, Whitlock. And Paxton is going to be interesting. Um, you know, I think Rich Hill eventually will get bumped or he gets DFA'd. I think eventually you're you're not gonna see Hill in this bullpen. I think he's just gonna be the odd man out. Um, but that rotation, man, it's gonna look pretty good. Again, Pavetta, Evaldi, you got Sale, you got Whitlock, Paxton. You know, that's a pretty solid five. If they're healthy that's not looking too bad. And then what do you do? That's and the next question is, what do you do with Waka? Because to me, I feel like Waka could be a guy that could be like the, the swing man. You know, you could have him as a long reliever, you know, you gotta. but you also got to see what Paxton ends up doing. You don't know what Paxton's going to do. You don't know what his health is going to look like. So I think with Waka, to me, it's going to come down to Waka and Paxton, but the Red Sox aren't going to get rid of Waka. They're going to find a way to utilize him, whether that's long relief. They'll, they'll hang on to him in a way. If Paxton ends up coming back and shows that he is back to the starter that he used to be, uh, they'll find something for Waka. I don't think they'll just get rid of him. Uh, Ballin' with 8C. Do you think the AL East is going to get three teams in the postseason? It's... I uh, yeah, I definitely I definitely think so. The Yankees for sure, the Blue Jays, they will absolutely get there. I think the Rays will find a way to get there. And I mean that's 3 right there. Now the question is for me, do they get 4? I think it's very possible. If we take a look at the standings, and actually I haven't pulled up the standings in this episode so far. If we take a look here at the updated standings, well the Red Sox lost today. So let's see actually how that's looking. Well, right now, believe it or not, the Red Sox are no longer in possession of the third wild card spot. Cleveland is now hanging on to the third wild card spot. Actually, what happened with Cleveland today? I heard someone bought like 30% of the Guardians today. I think I heard that. Um, or Major League Baseball approved the sale of a 30% sale or something like that. But nonetheless, the Guardians right now are very hot. They've been playing some great baseball. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. They've won four in a row. I told all of you in my preseason predictions, I told all of you that the Guardians were going to be in the mix for a wild card spot. People were laughing at me. People were saying this guy is a joke. People were saying this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And what do you know? The Guardians are sitting right here for the third wild card spot. I was telling all of you they were going to be a pretty good team this year. And here they are. Here they are. The Red Sox, it's not going to be a cakewalk for a wild card. Don't forget, you got the White Sox, who are talented. They're starting to win a couple of games here. They've won three in a row. So the White Sox, they're going to come on strong. I mean, to me, I I still think the Mariners, they got to get hot at some point. This Mariners team is so good. Man, oh, man. But speaking speaking of tough roads, let's actually pull up here the Red Sox schedule. This Red Sox schedule all the way to the All-Star break, they've had some easy matchups lately. They've had a lot of A's. They had a slumping Mariners team. They had a slumping Angels team. They've had a pretty nice nice time against these West Coast teams, but they got a lot of tough matchups coming up. You got three against the Cardinals. Then you got three against the Tigers, so that should end up being okay. This is going to be a big series next weekend. Guardians and the Red Sox in Cleveland. This is gonna be this is gonna be a tough series. And this is gonna be an important series this year. Um, because obviously, like I said, the Guardians are now in possession of the third wild card spot. Then after that, you go from Cleveland, you travel to Toronto, you play them in three games. After Toronto, you go to Chicago, play against the Cubs. That should be a a bit of a rest for the Red Sox. The Cubs have not been that good. Then they go back home, but got a couple of tough matchups. You got the Rays. The Rays are never an easy matchup at all. And then you got four against the Yankees. That's uh, obviously not going to be easy. Already never easy because it's the Yankees. It's always a tough matchup with these two teams. Then they go back on the road again to Tampa, which... I might have to go to one of these games considering I live in Florida. I'm going to have to go to a game here in Tampa. And then they go on the road. They're still on the road and they go play the Yankees. They got a tough, they got a tough road ahead, man. If we're actually really quick, go over the the schedule. Seven out of the nine series coming up are against teams over 500. That's a lot of, That's a lot of good baseball coming up. Five of these series are on the road. Four of them are at home. And they have 17 straight games to end the first half. Are you kidding me? 17 games. They're going to love that All-Star break. Whoever on the Red Sox goes to the All-Star game, I guarantee they're going to be just so annoyed about it because they probably just want to take this time off. You know? 17 straight games. Oh, that's a brutal schedule. And then after the All-Star game, you got the Blue Jays again, you got the Guardians again, and then you got the Brewers. The Red Sox have some tough baseball coming up. And uh, yes, it's been great to see them win some games, but the next month for the Red Sox, this is really going to prove to, to everyone whether or not, They're for real. It's this is it, man. You know we're gonna find out whether the Red Sox are gonna be buyers or sellers over this next month, because you got all these teams that are postseason worthy, good enough teams to get to the postseason. The Yankees a good enough team to win the World Series. You got you got the Yankees for seven games over the how many how many yeah seven games against the Yankees over the next month. You got. How many against the Rays? You got four against the Rays. No, you got seven against the Rays. So you got seven against the Rays and seven against the Yankees. This is going to be tough, man. It's going to be absolutely tough. Um, But let me get back here to the Q&A. Terrence Festoria, with the rest of the AL East getting better and better and a bad July, is there any chance? (laughs) What do you know? Uh, is there any chance the Red Sox sell at the deadline? Uh, there is absolutely a chance they could still sell, because, like I said, you got a lot of tough baseball coming up. If you start dropping series left and right, and you start falling out of this, and especially with the guard, you got all these. You got two matchups with the Guardians before the trade deadline, so the Red Sox absolutely could fall out of this, and they could definitely become sellers. They're not sellers at this point in time. There's still a lot of baseball to be played. Right now, they're not sellers, but they definitely could be before August 2nd. Last question here, Caden Lichford, who do you think is the best picture for the Red Sox? You know, I've actually been really impressed with a couple of guys on here. Let me actually pull up some numbers for all of you. One guy I've been really impressed with with the Red Sox, Austin Davis. Austin Davis has been just phenomenal. If we go take a look here, Austin Davis, he's got a 1.46 ERA. He's striking out a good amount of guys. He's striking out 26% of hitters. Very good strikeout percentage. Another guy that I really like for the Red Sox is John Schreiber. This guy's got a 0.98 ERA, a 2.49 FIP, a 28.2 strikeout percentage. Matt Strom has been really good. The ERA is a four, but his FIP is a 1.64. So these guys out of the bullpen, they've been really good. I've I've been loving what Waka has been doing. Obviously Pavetta. I would say if you got to give that title to someone, I would probably give it to Pavetta at this point. Um, the guy's just pitching out of his mind. To me, it's like he's the one guy when he gets the ball every time out, you feel good about the Red Sox' chances. But I love what some of these guys are doing. I love what Davis is doing. I love what Strom's doing. I think Schreiber has been a bit of an unsung hero for this Red Sox team. Um, But I like that some of these guys have been stepping up, like Winkowski, like Cutter Crawford lately. So uh, I'm liking a lot of these guys on the Red Sox. Everyone. I'm gonna get out of here. That's the end of episode four. Um, man, oh man, the Red Sox—they've been playing some great baseball lately. A series win against the A's. We got a fun matchup coming up against the Cardinals. I'm really excited for that one. But like I said, everyone, we got some tough baseball coming up. So uh, get your pants ready, get your beverages ready. You might need a lot of them over the next couple of months. Over the next month, you're—you you're might need them. You might need them, everyone. I want to thank you for coming out for episode four of the Believe in Red Sox podcast. Uh, Don't forget about our sponsor, Bet Online. Use the code Believe B L E A V and then you get a fifty percent welcome bonus. Also, don't forget about Prize Picks as well. Uh, For SeatGeek, our code is Hide. You get twenty dollars off your first purchase with. SeatGeek and then Prize Picks. My code is Ginger. You'll get a full one hundred percent deposit match towards your first deposit with Prize Picks. So, everyone, I want to thank you for coming out for episode four of the Believe in Red Sox podcast. Uh, I will once again have another episode ready for all of you. I'll probably go live. Uh, you know, I, for episode five, I'm actually thinking I'm going to go live on YouTube on Monday morning. So be on the lookout for that. And um, and then for podcast listeners, make sure you're listening in or looking for a podcast to get posted on Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever, uh, probably late morning on Monday. Everyone, I appreciate you all coming out tonight. I always greatly appreciate it. Um, and thank you to everyone who submitted a super chat as well as a question for the QA. Everyone Go have yourself a good night. Have a good day tomorrow. Have a good weekend coming up. And I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.